Hey everybody, I'm your host Jamika and you're listening to It's Kinda Crazy with this week's guest, Luke O'Shea. Thank you for tuning in. I uh, hope you guys enjoy. This was a question that I did get asked to ask you, mm-hmm. which is very left of field from where we're going to go. But uh, who's better footballer, you or your younger brother? <laughs> oh, Benny boy. Oh, it's great. I caught up with Benny. Uh, you know, I haven't seen him in ages, you know, but um, me and him went through the old man's shed on last oh, weekend. Many Hard memories. Down many there. memories. Yeah. And, uh, and Ben's got his own skill set, you know what I mean? Which was um, with the tools. Yeah. And in the trade and all that stuff. But um, look, it's not for me to say who was better, Ooh. you know, but definitely me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I was like, got to no. say someone. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, it was, it, it, we, we loved the game. AFL is such a magnificent game. Yeah. The flow of it, the, the physicality, the fitness. Um, it was just my game. I loved it, you know, a lot. But unfortunately, combining music and busted fingers from each game. And then, you know, I was playing a lot those days as well, like um, like a lot of gigs. Yeah. And I'd play a football game someplace <laughs> around Sydney. And so it's an hour's drive no matter where you're playing. Yeah. And it, I couldn't get out of the car sometimes. My legs were all cramped up and bruised oh. up and corked. And I'd try and stand there doing a gig with busted fingers and... and <laughs> And thighs that was, you know, cramping up and going, like I need a stool at this gig. Yeah, so something had to go. And sadly, um, you know, I wasn't going to make a, a million bucks out of um, out of football. But um, Aussie rules. But um, funny enough, I wasn't going to make a million bucks out of music. <laughs> <laughs> so you dropped football to pursue music? I did. Yeah. And it was hard. It was like... Um, just was altogether hard. dropped it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was just like... Um, I couldn't even stand watching the game. I still can't stand oh. watching the game. I'm not a spectator. I'm a terrible spectator. <laughs> yeah, I need and, to be amongst the game. Yeah, no, and I'd like to say there's a healthy level of competitiveness in me, but it's probably a little bit past the point of being healthy. Once I start a game, I I play to win. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm in it. I'm in it. <laughs> I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in it to win, and it's um. It's not a bad thing. And it, but yeah, but it doesn't matter if I'm watching. If I turn on the telly and it's a, a ping pong match between Taiwan and, <laughs> you know, uh, Russia, I don't care. But if I pick a side, I'll get emotionally involved. I'm invested. I'm in. <laughs> what are you doing? Go Taiwan. I bet the family love that. Oh, well, no. They hate <laughs> oh, no. watching sport with me. Like, yeah, I remember the kids just, you know, the first time I really freaked them out was during um, the Swans during the grand final. Oh. You know, they when they won by yeah. a point. Over at West Coast, and they'd never seen that side of me before, and they were freaked out. They're going, "Who is this guy that's possessed our father?" What is going on? And it's just that's what I am. If I'm going to pick a side, I'm all in. Yeah. You know? And it's just a, it's just a shame that I've picked the Swans and the Sharks to follow. You know, <laughs> because they've been a punish to follow for the last couple of decades, fifty years. But um, yeah, it's been it's been good when they get up. It's, oh yeah. Makes getting up all all the better. They only needed one, and they got the one, so I can I can rest happy. Yeah, well, I guess it's good that you've gone down, chose the music path, because you've had a really great and successful career. I think you've mm. done eight albums. Yeah, yeah, just released my ninth studio album actually, the different drum, and um, there's eight country albums, and there's a, a an album called Pinball, which was what Medicine Wheel, which was the band that I had before, yep. turning into a country act. Um, used to sound like okay yeah. awesome and you so you've done all the albums you've done many a live show over the year i'm sure mm. traveled around everywhere mm. you've won golden guitars which is very very cool yeah thanks <laughs> i'm not giving them back no <laughs> yeah, they're mine now <laughs> on the mantelpiece at home <laughs> yeah they're, they're all um, yeah they're all over the place um yeah it's yeah it's nice yeah that's yeah, awesome it's just um yeah so what are your early memories of music? Because you obviously were into music while you were younger and playing footy and everything. How did that come about? Well, I was always into music because um, my parents were always into music. They weren't musicians. They just loved it. Yeah. And so they were young. though. You know, the kid, you know, those parents, that era in the 60s, they all got married in their early 20s and late teens, yeah. you know. like. Um, so you're there for their, as they're growing up, and they 
had that incredible era of music with the Beatles and the Stones and then Credence and then all these great songwriters coming through, the Bob Dylans and the James Taylors and uh, yeah. it just kept going on. The Simon Garfunkels and Harry Chapins and Chris Christophersons. And so every week there'd be a brand new album being played really, really loud <laughs> yeah. in our house. And so maybe it was just through osmosis that I just started to really – um want to try and express myself through music and um they've been great supporters of it all the way through but yeah that era of the 70s and even the 80s when we grew up live music was everywhere in australia mm. and the pub rock scene was so inspiring you know to go to Karen Bar Inn or Cronulla Workers and see bands like Midnight Oil and yeah. Old Chisel and the Angels and the Sunny Boys and just the list goes on and on about how exciting it was and that was so inspiring and so powerful in regards to having a, something to say and get it across. Like having being an early teenager and having a band like Midnight Oil just have such a, a, a message behind their powerful music, you know, be it cultural message, environmental message, political message. You saw how they could really change perceptions mm. in people and – you know, the trick for me was just finding out what it is I needed to say. If it, was there anything I did have that was worth saying about? And so I didn't know. <laughs> and so I just used to busk on corners and pubs and play around with my mates. And it wasn't until, you know, I spent – I was going away overseas for about six months and then eight years later I came back. And then I, wow. I actually had a story to tell and that's when I started to really write my own stuff. Yeah. And you've got your new album, Different Drum. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, it's just um, the culmination of probably 25 years of just writing and running into walls and banging heads and learning the craft and the wicker of producing an album and also songwriting. And there's, it's a progression from themes that I've covered previously in albums, you know, how we need to probably reflect on the past and uh, learn from it so that we can create a better future for ourselves and our kids and our grandkids, you know, by looking after this country. Mm. Uh, so it does continue on from themes about learning from the Indigenous cultures here in Australia and the different mobs and the way they looked after country and also the way that we look after our returned veterans. Yeah. That's a, a constant theme, be it from the First World War and not learning about how to deal with those men that returned and we've never learned the second world war the debacle of vietnam and then this mosh pit that we've created um with the way we've looked after our veterans with afghanistan you know it's just shameful and the statistics scream out that we're not doing enough so to start those conversations about around the dinner table that's what my hope is with a lot of these songs you know there's songs about acknowledging you know australia day and uh, where it sits in our Australian psyche um, and start those conversations up and educating people about our past so we can make better informed decisions in the future when they come up and understand why we are so divided in certain things. The ex you know, fighting the expansion of corporate greed, you know, these, yeah, these coal mines and gas fracking up the situation, you know, going into our food bowls and areas which is just irreversible damage and putting our communities and families out there at risk and getting steamrolled by these big multinational corporations, you know. It's just not Australian and if people are aware of it, they'd really come and join the fight and help these people in these communities. So that's my job, make people aware of these things that are going on and that's my role as an educator, be it as a songwriter or as a school teacher, just to fill in those holes in the curriculum which I think are missing and mm. get people to, you know, just start talking about it. Yeah, or even thinking. That's it, you know, and, um, you know, we're, we have a good sense of justice in Australia. We have a, a clear sense of what's right and wrong and we're just so time poor in this world. We're so mm. sport with everything, so much sport, so much going on with digital technology that it's easy not to give us stuff about important stuff and that's the beauty of music you can put a very big concept and condense it down into a pretty sweet tasting pill if you put a bit of melody around it and yeah. people are much more readily acceptable of that message if it is delivered in a song as opposed to just standing on a street corner and waving a banner and hitting them over the head with a, 
a message. You can come around through the back door, really, and give them a concept, which can change perceptions and then lead to positive change. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your song, Southeast Queensland, and you're kind of on the track of veterans there. Mm. And just like you said, putting pretty big messages and powerful messages into a sweet little pill is a nice way to put it. Mm. Um, I think that song in particular I found really powerful and yeah, thanks. just getting people to think about something that they might not have any you know, personal relation to or I don't know, but just gets them thinking and feeling from someone else's perspective, which I think is really important. Well, that's it. And that's also the beauty of co-writing. You know, I have been in a fortunate situation where I am part of a, a songwriter retreat where a couple of times a year uh, people from all over Australia and New Zealand, they come to a place called the Dag Sheep Station up in Nundle. It's awesome. a beautiful place out of phone reception and it's just these rolling hills and very inspiring place just to really dig deep into the wicker and craft of songwriting. And um, so I'm exp- – and what happens is you get paired up with people from – every socioeconomic yeah. group and age group and uh, uh, just a bucket genre. full of different experiences yeah. as well. Yeah, so, you know, I might become a, a person who's a farmer or a horse breaker from a region or I'm a, a miner from the Pilliga or I'm a an old lady who's talking about a, a, mem- a fellow that he, she remembers up in Darwin, you know. Or, you know, so I'm invited into people's worlds and, you know, next thing you know, I'm writing about being a redhead and cruising <laughs> up the South Beach Strip in Wollongong or in this case with South East Queensland, I was working with a young fellow who was a farmer um, and his mates during the height of the drought were given the option of either sticking it out and fighting on the land, fighting the drought or joining the ADF, Australian Defence Force. And when you see that one in four people who enrol in the Australian Defence Force are from southeast Queensland. That's a remarkably big piece of the pie. And what people forget is that, um, you know, when they return after experiencing a lot of the horrors from war, then that trauma just doesn't stay with that person. It gets passed through that whole family unit, their partners, their kids, and that reverberates through the whole community. And Sadly, the statistics, you know, from just Afghanistan alone, you know, 41 Australians were killed in action over there, but more than 10 times that number have taken their own lives since returning. And that's a sh- that's a sin, that's a shame. That's screaming out to our politicians that we're not doing enough to support these people. And, you know, most Australians would be absolutely disgusted by that statistic, as they rightfully should be. And the way to combat that is to open those conversations get these people talking get them to feel like they're not alone Mm. that they can that everyday Australians have some understanding of what they've been through and so that was that song's job then to marry that song with the helmet cam footage from a lot of these Australian soldiers on the front line yeah the video share that experience was really quite uh shocking to a lot of Australians and which helps give them that understanding and Fred Smith who we got a lot of inspiration from he's a great folk singer songwriter in Australia mm-hmm. and he's got this amazing album called The Dust of Years Gone which we gained a lot of inspiration from he said it best he says with these return veterans we don't have to lionize them we don't have to pity them but we do have to have some level of understanding of what they've been through so we don't have another generation of strangers as we did with Vietnam just walking amongst us yeah and so, yes. And using that footage, which is very confronting in a way. Yeah, well, that would come from as well. He's just going, mate, these soldiers have taken this footage to deliberately show mm. people back home what they're experiencing. And if that enables us to start a conversation, say, how are you going? That might open that dialogue to get them talking, then uh, that's a healthy step forward as opposed to them just feeling so alone and unappreciated. Yeah. As uh, unfortunately, I think that a lot of the governments have made them feel, particularly the, the previous government. No, it's, yeah, it's very true. I've, I actually made a short film for my graduation piece at uni um, about the impact that a veteran service has on their family once mm. returned. Um, and some, yeah, had some really great people involved in that um, who are really involved now in having a lot of change and yeah. for not only veterans, but their families. Cause I think that's another big part that Massively. even myself, I didn't, I don't have anyone personally that I know that has served or mm. been a part of the army, but 
um, yeah, getting hearing their stories and you don't often get to the point of thinking how it would affect their family or their exactly, kids. And yeah. Now, there's a, through that song, I became a, an ambassador for Soldier On, which is an mm. amazing organisation that helps the families of yeah. these returned veterans, you know, get their education, move on and seek help and, and camaraderie with each other just in regards to knowing that they're not alone. There is a support network that will help them that they had to form on their own. Mm. But, um, yeah, the, the number one thing is talking. You know, we've got to start those conversations with each other. And, you know, Lee Sarich, who's a, a return veteran who features in that video clip, which, you know, I'm proud to say went on to win video clip of the year, Golden Guitar for that, because it does connect. Yeah. And it is an important subject area that is integral to talk about. So Australians, as I said before, are ready to fight the good fight if you can present them the tough concept in a way which is not preaching to them. Yeah. So I'm really proud of the Australian country music industry because they have supported songs like South East Queensland and even Happy Australia Day, which, again, was really taking what is regarded as a pretty conservative genre of music mm. and showcased that on a big stage and big screen, uh, a video which, again, tries to open up that dialogue on, you know, contentious issues yeah, yeah. but it must be really great for you to be able to see songs with really important messages get such a platform like that yeah yeah it is it doesn't get you many gigs on festivals that's for sure you know because you know you got a, a scenario but you know that's also the, the strange thing there's a lot of light and dark to my albums yeah um and that's the craft and and i've producing an album if i'm going to take them down a tough path then the next track will be something that'll lift them out of that and it'll be a lot yeah. of fun you know but they're not the songs that have the strongest impact so the the tough songs have the biggest impact and that's what you kind of get known for but again the other side of my personality is just the joy and the sweet abandon that comes from playing music yeah particularly with a rock and band behind you oh yeah and it just looks like such a good time playing playing your own songs even or just playing with friends and yeah, playing just, in a band just music and yeah. you know we've all ex experienced live concerts where you just get caught up in the sound and the melody and the lyric or it doesn't have to mean anything but that's that's the thing about songwriting and music you aim at particular chakras if you want to get <laughs> into yeah. the, the spiritual nature of it, you know, you can write a song that's just aimed directly at the hips, the root chakra, you know, and that's just <laughs> give me that beat. Yeah. You know, give me that hip-hop beat where it's just going to make me want to move and just it's pretty basic and primal and that's great. And But then you can aim at the chest and say, okay, well, here's a, a love song or an emotional song that's aimed at the throat or you aim for the intellect, you know, the brow and the... Where you give them a story and it's just everything's aimed at a particular region mm -hmm. and sometimes you can might get lucky and combine three of those regions and uh, make it a real powerful music experience. Yeah. So this album is very much an amalgamation of everything from all the past albums or just everything you've learnt over the last 25 years, like you said. Yeah. Look, there's, there is the continuation of messages mm -hmm. and... Um, um, Takes you themes, on a journey. Yeah, that I, I really want to continue to support and address and present in a new, obscure way. Mm. Um, but there's also brand new stuff in there which will kind of just hopefully delight and open up worlds of nostalgia on how things might have been and could have been and still could be and uh, inspire people to try and, um, yeah, just seize the day. You know, this life's pretty fleeting and it's a bit of a dream. You know, we can't take it too seriously. And uh, I think there's a, a few messages in there that just kind of pop up and remind them throughout the songs. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you hope that, obviously we hope that everyone listens all the way through. Hmm. I'm very much someone who likes to listen to albums in order. But if we were to direct anyone to listen to one song in particular, is there one that you would maybe throw out there yeah look i think i haven't released it as a single yet but darawal is um the opening track to the album uh which i'll share with you yeah but it's about where we're sitting right now this region here this darawal country where 
I grew up, you know, just down the road from your mum. Yeah. You know, Grace Point, you know, and it was pretty pretty raw back then. You I was going to say it, it would have changed, would yeah, have seen it change quite a it bit was the since the first then. road down through the region. The Royal National Park was our backyard and pristine, you know, creeks. So beautiful. And, and caves, and I remember the, others, the Aboriginal artefacts were still in the caves there, you know, the grinding stones and carry plates. And it was a pretty idyllic place to grow up. But I remember as a kid just having that feeling that I felt really connected to country, but I had no teachers that would give me any rites of passage or any kind of ceremony that would take me deeper, mm. that would, you know, scream out to the world that I truly belonged. Uh, and... It was a dislocation. It was a it was a lament that I didn't have that kind of um, teacher because even though there's strong Irish ancestry or through me, I've been my family's been here for five six generations. And at what point do you say I am a native of this country? You know, and you want that connection. Hmm. And um, so the song Darrell really touches on that and uh, finding out that. Being connected to country is just your mindset. Yeah, just and I think we're we're starting to pick that up as as new Australians. We are feeling that connection to country, and it's it's okay. And we're creating our own ceremonies now, and just spending time on country to find out how to take it further. And it's there for us to do. Yeah, and we we are very lucky. We do live in like a really beautiful area, and there is mm. the national park not too far away, which is still. Yeah. Such a beautiful place to explore. It really is. And it's still very, very powerful. I was just up Southwest Arm yesterday and that is pristine. It's like it's almost untouched. And you can go back there and it's like going back in time. It's so quiet. You just hear all the birds and the nature. It's just, uh, it's so special and it's just there. Yeah. And uh, we are blessed to live in this part of the world. And so it is singing up country and it's, our country where you and I have been blessed to live and grow up and um, I'm very proud of it and I want to make sure that it's going to be passed on in an even better condition to my children and my grandchildren hopefully so if we keep singing up and keep looking after it hopefully um, we can restore that respect and that that um, priority in our society to make sure we do keep it. Do you think having kids of your own just made that feeling so much stronger of wanting to protect it for the future? Yeah, it's 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 two two points probably, you know, two attitudes. One is to make sure that it's there for my kids and their future generations, of course, but it's also understanding what was there before we came along. And, you know, it's heartbreaking to think about just, you know, and that's, that's global, I just can't... Mm. You just can't say, "Oh, look what we've done." It, no, of it is global. We've, but man, like what, that Colonel Peninsula was just Eden. It was paradise, as was this whole country. It was just so well looked after from sixty thousand years of indigenous kind of ownership and looking after it and like maintaining it. The the fire stick farming, the constant care, and they were part of the ecology. They were part of the ecosystem. So it was, it was just that perfect balance that they represent and then you know with modern attitudes towards you know how you approach country it was just like let's just rip everything out and rape and pillage and make as much as we can as fast as we can and screw the consequences of those actions and you see that and we're kind of picking up the pieces now now and addressing though that greed and short-sightedness from the previous generations now. And so we are in a position to really act as caretakers Mm. and hopefully, you know, take it back to that, that hopefully find that balance again that is integral to our survival and our future generations. No, definitely. Going back a little bit to the genre of country music, music in general, I think, something I love about it is the storytelling aspect. Mm. I'm big on storytelling. Um, what what drew you to country? As you said, you're in a different... Yeah. You were a bit different before. Well, yeah, I just... Uh, I just When I was travelling, I, I, that's when I started to kind of really write songs. I'd always just played covers and covers bands and 
rock bands and just banged it out. And when I was <laughs> traveling, it was just a, a added source of income. You know, yeah. I would just busk and have a bit of fun with it, sitting around campfires. And uh, it wasn't until I was in Ireland where they really have a, a deep respect for original songwriters that I started to really delve into, did I have a story to tell? And, and I had a huge travel bug. You know, it was insatiable. I just had yeah, to keep you said moving. you went for six months and ended up going yeah, for eight years. Yeah, no, I just kept going, kept going, kept going. That and, is massive. Um, but once I found the songwriting bug, it, it kind of devoured the, the travel bug. Yeah. You know, I was just, I couldn't, I couldn't stop writing and I um, still can't. But they're very sympathetic. I was going to say, mm-hmm. Irish songs uh big same like with country as a genre i think they're both really big on storytelling yeah it is but we as humans we just love a story yeah it doesn't matter like it takes it's in our dna it's all the way back you know we felt the need to express ourselves through a story by picking up a piece of ochre and scratching into a wall we had to express what happened and we all sat in the cave and listened to how i caught the mammoth and you know and threw the spear and we're whoa so there is a need in us as humans to tell stories, but also to absorb stories. And it's it doesn't matter if I'm picking up the ochre or a paintbrush or a pen to write a poem or write a novel or an instrument to kind of somehow write a song. We have to express ourselves. It's what makes us human. But also, if that story can awaken something in us and teach us something, then boom. And that's why, you know people go to Tamworth in the middle of summer yeah, and they'll go to Gore and, you know, in New Zealand in the middle of winter, you know, we'll, we'll persevere through all kinds of uncomfortable situations just because of the power of that song and that's within us, you know, p- particularly the, the country music genre but also in folk. That's a, a great, yeah. you know, cousin of country music, that love of lyric and that love of story and that's the thing. You know, other genres have their own thing. I love pop. You can put on a pop song at any point in time and you'll get the beat and you'll get the catchy hook and happy days. doesn't yeah. matter. Same with rock. You can get into the end of your rock. But with country, you need to hear that first verse of the middle section and then the third verse. You need to hear because it is that orientation, complication and resolution that's found mm. in all good stories, but that's in all country songs. So there is that need to hear the whole song in its entirety and the reason probably it's called country is that in the cities we really don't have that time or space just to we just want that instant fix but once you start getting a bit of space around you where you're cruising in your car for a long time or you got a bit more time you are open to absorbing the yeah tale. mindfully listening mindfully to listening what's going on take me to one take me to another place where i've never been before you know mm. so um yeah it's a beautiful genre which i love i wasn't always in it but um yeah, once I kind of had my first trip to Tamworth, I just went, oh, my goodness, here's my tribe. Yeah. yeah. When was that? Ah, uh, it was well over 20 years ago. As I said, uh, Medicine Wheel was um, – we always had stories in the song, but it was a pretty rocking act. Yeah. You know, it was the mid to late 90s, so grunge was all the rage and hard-hitting kind of um, music was punching out. And we did well. It was the year of Battle of the Bands, and we had a, yeah. a lot of success with that. and. But we were still banging our heads against the wall, trying just going up and down the coast yeah, in Australia. Gigging. We don't, we just don't have the population to sustain the arts here. Yeah, and there's a lot of apathy towards it. You know, once um, the Foxtel came into all the pubs and all the poke machines took up all the band rooms, and so we were, we were pretty much watching the live music scene just disintegrate in front of us. Mm. And so it was kind of through frustration that I just went, well, I'll head up to Tamworth and. See what's going on up Give there. Give it a go. Yeah, and then I just saw these multi-generational audiences just sit next to one another, just loving the lyric, and that's what first got me into music. And I went, here it is. This is it. And so we, I said to the boys, I said, all right, oh, well, I'm in the band. I said, I'm simplifying the bass on a couple of these songs and replacing a guitar solo with a fiddle. And next thing you know, we will sign to ABC and Universal Music. And uh, we've been... Uh, within that country music family ever since yeah yeah really great and you you do a lot of collaborations or you have done a few collaborations mm. performance wise and i'm sure many a songwriting session in a collaboration with people yeah. what's that like what's that like collaborating with oh it's unreal people? as i said earlier like um 
just in this last album, you know, I've become a rev head. I've become a return <laughs> veteran from South East Queensland. I've become a, a, a fine flout miner in the Pilliga in West Australia. I've become a man who's fought in First World War, Second World War and returned with... And is that drawing on other people's stories? These are all people's other stories. They're not yeah. my stories. You know, these are other people's stories that... They're letting you tell. Yeah, they've given me that privilege of tapping into that world and there's truth behind all of them. None of them are really fabricated. So it's a real honour to being invited into someone else's world and then somehow make it your own and then share that with other people. But that's that's the craft of a storyteller, you know. That's my job. Yeah, that's great. Like who are your go-to artists to listen to? At the moment, maybe. I yeah. know that's a tough question. <laughs> well, no, look, it's this is the beauty of Spotify. Spotify's um, great. Well, yeah. like Just I, got my dad on Spotify. Well, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's a shame because it's with every blessing there's a curse, you know what I mean? Because it's great for the, the reach that it brings, but I think yeah. you would know more about the Well, it's point three of a cent every time it gets played, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's wild. Is that what the writers get back? Yeah, yeah. That's so So... Zero, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it needs a lot of plays to make some kind of return on it. Mm. And, um, yeah, and it's there, thankfully. You know, I, I get a nice kind of little return each month. But that, compared to an album sale of what it used to be... Very different. Very, very different. Yeah. You know, as, a, as an independent artist, you sell your album for 20 bucks mm. as, a, as a standard, you know. And... Um, you, know, you used to sell a couple of thousand of that, and that that helped you pay for the recording, but also helped you invest in the next album to do and more. Yeah, you kind of continue to do it, but once that uh, that income dried up due to the digital platforms, um, it's just changed everything, and it's okay. I'm not whining about it, but that Spotify does allow you now to be exposed to incredible artists that you've never, ever heard before. So, you know, I'll click on Rustin Kelly and then, next thing you know, I'll click on his radio and then I'm hearing these writers from all around the place, you know, Jason Isbell and um, all kinds of like. But I still love the unsung Australian writers that fall into the invisible grey void, I call them. The invisible grey void. Which is my favourite, you know. It's not... Yeah. It's Untouched. It's not country, but it's not... Rock, it's just this great songwriter like the Heath Cullens and the Jeff Gibbo Gibsons and uh, oh, Michael Bryans and there's these incredible writers out there that are just, there's no industry to sustain them. Yeah, which you is know, such a shame. It's such a shame because they're brilliant, but they don't fall into a clear marked genre. Mm. So therefore, it's the invisible grey void. It's just... You know, Triple J is the only station out there now that can possibly break an artist because everything else is controlled by just two radio stations. Once Australian radio was allowed to be bought up by two companies, you know, 95% of Australian radio stations are either owned by Osterio or Grant Broadcast. I know something's changed there. Their names or someone's been bought out. But they have one programmer in Melbourne for one of them and one programmer in Sydney for the other one. So when we used to tour, you could go in and get your music played along the tours, but now they don't even program their own music. So if I'm in Mackay or Rockhampton or something, I can't just pop into a radio station and say, hey, can you just play that? The only one that can do that are ABC. Yeah. And that's a different demographic and listeners. So yeah, totally. it's made touring really hard. And you can see the line in the sand when Australian radio was bought up by two companies and all the TV shows like Countdown and Sounds, yeah. they all stopped. And so there was no other way of exposing Australian audiences to great Australian bands other than through Triple J, and that was it. And so that just, if you didn't fall into their uber cool <laughs> playlist, which yeah. I'm certainly not, you know, it's just like, it's a battle. It's hard. It was hard. And so that's why these summer festivals now still just have those bands that are just regurgitated every year because that's when Australians were exposed through radio to all these great, but there's so many great Aussie bands out there. And thankfully, Spotify and other areas are exposing mm. these bands to audiences um, for the younger generation to listen to. So they're not actually, it's kind of taken the power back from radio. Yeah. You know, which was what it used to be like. 
Yeah, which is great. Mm. How's, speaking on the Australian country music industry, you've also gone and worked in Nashville before, written yeah. and everything. How's how's the the difference with that? Because obviously uh, Nashville's massive. Nashville's massive and you have to make a decision. There was, uh, what's my daughter now, 22? So about 23 years ago and 20 years ago, I spent a lot of time in Nashville, you know, a couple of years around North America. And, uh, you know, I was with a label and um, it, was, it was all good. Mm. And it was, it was fine. They're going great. But you've got to live there. Yeah. And I'm going, I don't want to live there. There's, there's no surf in Nashville. <laughs> there is no surf in Nashville. <laughs> and I love my surf. Not even close. You know, and, it's, and I feel very blessed, to, as we were discussing, to live here. Yeah. We have the greatest quality of life right here. We've got the national park. We've got the... The climate, look at this beautiful day, you know, we've got the best cuisine and diet in the world. And my family's here. And yep. we were, my wife and I, we were pregnant with our first child. And I was thinking, well, if I stay in this town, there's no support structure around us. There's none of my family support network around her. So when I'm on a tour bus, she's alone. Yeah. And I'm also touring in a country, which is not mine. And I'd spent already a number of years there and there's nothing there that, really connected deep with me and I didn't want to sing in an American accent. Yeah, because that that's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, initially we all do, mm. you know, we all did because a lot of our inspiration and our goals were to crack that American market. Yeah. And then you hear yourself and you're going, that's not me. I'm not being true yeah. to my own sound and not being true to the stories that I want to tell. So it's not Fox calling grapes sour. It's just no. saying I made a decision where I wanted to make my career and – you know, as I said, I feel pretty blessed that I was born here, so I want yeah. to stay here and tell our stories. No, but I really love your stuff and that you do sing in, in a, like just our accent because a lot of artists will change the way they sing, which is there's nothing wrong with for sure, but well, it's just yeah. different. It's, um, I know, and you don't even realise you're doing it. No, not at all, because yeah. we listen to so much. Yeah, exactly. And so you just go, oh, hang on, well, my inspiration's Alan Jackson or George Strait or something along those lines, then they're going to put that twang and that yowl. And, yeah. and just going. And it's, I've got to say, it's quite difficult to sing with an Australian accent. We're good at talking Australian accents. Yeah. But to sing it... Doesn't it doesn't come naturally, does it? doesn't quite come naturally. Uh, the way we approach our vowels is quite drawn out and mm. dry. And, you know, you listen to John Williamson and he talks his songs, hey, true, blue, no, say, you're gone. You know, it's, it's a very tricky way you know missy higgins does it well and yeah sarah Stora does it great and but it's it's um it's not an easy thing to do and it takes work to you actually consciously have to not round your vowels to make it sound un-american sometimes because yeah. it just will find you will go that way so that was something that you kind of had to work consciously yeah i did actually find your start. sound now it's just you know it's 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 just comes naturally. Quite natural, but um, at the beginning, you know, because you do so many years of covers and singing those songs over and over and over again, you just yeah. naturally fall into that kind of that accent without even knowing it. Because I think you also hear a song and you just think that's the way it's meant to be sung yeah. back, especially doing a cover. So, and, and in those early days, we were writing to try and crack that American mm. market, you know. you As I said, my publishing was over there and it was just like always at the back of your mind, have you got that... American hit, you'd make a fair bit of money as opposed to having a hit over here with, you know, a third of the population. Yeah. Tiny compared. Tiny. You think about like... Not even a third. What am I saying? Yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> even. A point three or three percent of the population. Yeah. Like, yeah, they got, what, 380 million people, yeah. like the third biggest population. And we've got 26 now, are we 27 maybe? Yeah, maybe. And spread out. Yeah, I was going. Oh, we're spread out. It's so tricky touring this place. It's big and beautiful, but and that's what makes it so great. But tough way to, to make a buck if you're a touring artist. Yeah, because you go up the east coast, but then you get to Perth. <laughs> no, it's a military maneuver to go to South Australia. It really is. Yeah. You know, just trying to move over there and pile WA. Wow, I know. You know it's such a, a journey. I feel and, like they know. miss out on a lot. Well, they create their own healthy scene over there. They're so powerful with their their own music scene, and they're mm. magnificent. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, we do it because we love it. And I call Australia the great 
music filtering system, you know, because it gets rid of the pretenders pretty quick. Yeah. You know, if people think they're going to do music in Australia just because it's going to lead them to this rock and roll lifestyle, well, you're in a bit of a shock. And <laughs> you are wrong, my friend. <laughs> oh, it takes a lot of work and it's a lot of um, kicks in the guts and, and that's okay. You just... But for the people who are true writers and true musicians, they, they carry on regardless because it's who they are. They have to do it. Yeah, and that's so, what they love. Yeah, and it just does filter it out and that's why it's... um. You know, it's lovely to have these festivals that happen year after year after year when you see the same old familiar faces and you go, ah, yeah. still hanging around. Yeah, still Idiot. going. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, we keep each other going and it's, it's, a, it's a good fraternity. It's a good family. Yeah, that's awesome. I was going to, um, I just wanted to, something a bit different, a bit fun, throw some country artist names at you sure. and just see the first thought or first word that pops into your yeah, head. Oh, this could be... They're, I haven't gone censored to, later on. <laughs> I, I can do I can that. Be, I can be brutally honest. Sometimes. I can do that if I need. I've I've stuck to pretty generic ones. Yeah, so. that's all good. Um, Lee Kernigan. Yeah, he's got his place definitely. Was that someone you grew up? No, no, no. not at all. No, he's he's. I really respect Lee as a person. Um, his sounds never appealed to me at all. Really, mm-hmm. um, he was very much inspired by the Garth Brooks scene, and again that era immensely possible you know popular but not to me it didn't speak to me at all yeah um yeah and i know a lot of people love it and he had a, a massive um influence on the popularity of australian country music so very grateful for what he's helped to sustain and you have to understand country music there's 48 different sub genres plus within yeah, the wow. country label so it's like you know you call rock Rock, it's rock music, but then you got heavy rock, death mm-hmm. metal, yeah. you know, <laughs> grunge. You know, everyone's there's clear, distinct yep. genres. But with country, people hear bluegrass and they go, "Well, that's country," or they hear the balladeers and they go, "Well, that's country." And you go, "Well, it it is, but it isn't. It's yeah. very different." So, like, I put Lee in a, in a genre of that area, that Alan Jackson kind of Garth Brooks genre, which was immensely popular, but it just didn't speak to me at all. Yeah, wasn't your wasn't my thing. It's like there's balladeers like Slim. Like how do you compare Slim Dusty to Casey Chambers to Keith Urban to Lee? You know, they're all very diverse, but they all represent a completely different genre. Which is also one of the great things about music, that there is something for everyone. Yeah, totally. It's awesome. Um, someone, someone that I grew up listening to a lot, Catherine Britt. Yeah. Thoughts? I love Catherine. Go you know, to word. You no, know, we've spread we've spread years together, Catherine and I. You know, um, oh, awesome. I, I first met her when she was about sixteen or fifteen, I think. Wow. And uh, you know, she had tattooed herself with Hank. You know, like she was a mad old school country. But again, that old school country music, you know, the Hank Williams and stuff, I can really deeply respect it. Mm, wasn't your thing? Not my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about um, obviously country at the moment? I feel like is growing massively not only in america where it's already hugely popular but i think it's getting quite popular and more mainstreamly popular here mm-hmm. um with more modern country yep. contemporary country acts um luke combs was someone who was out here recently yeah what's your what's your thought on that <laughs> well or yeah, word. Uh, oh, no, first no, word. i just sound like a, a broken record but again again i really love what they're doing i love how people are connecting with it mm-hmm but it's not my scene, baby. Yeah. You know, it's just, um, it's, yeah. Oh, the, Who's it's, someone? It's, it's, it's becoming a cliche. Just how many songs about drinking can we have? And, you know, and I'm just going, and the same old thing where it's the same old red dirt road and we're going to go That's get in actually, our four-wheel drive and yeah. we're going to work hard and then we're going to go to church and pray and then, hey, baby, come in with your cut-off jeans. And I think that's something that's actually a shame about country music is it has become, in a way... The, the stuff that's getting very popular is very much that. You're right. Everyone that I know that doesn't listen to it, they're like, oh, you know, drinking, four-wheel drives, dirt roads. Where's my boat? Heartbreak. Yeah, which yeah. is a shame because it is a m- much more to it than that. There is. And it's kind of funny because the, the writers I love, you know, like the Johnny Cashes and the, mm. the Willie Nelsons and the... And those incredible writers, Waylon Jennings and all those kind of cats, you know, they wouldn't, you wonder what they'd be thinking of the, the, the landscape nowadays, you know, they wouldn't get played on the radio. And that's, 
that's okay. It's just the ebbs yeah. and the flows of what's popular and isn't popular. And it's um, people, as I said, there's so many subgenres within the country label that it's just people got their own thing. And yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was going to ask. We kind of you kind of answered this for me already before, but I was going to say Nashville, Tamworth, or here, Cronulla, where, where where do you pick? But I think you've said well, Cronulla. Yeah, I think if I was to pick a town in the States, it'd be Austin. Austin's oh, awesome. got a very cool music scene. Not beach, no beach though. No beach, no surf in Austin either, <laughs> you know, but it's got a great vibe. And they're the guys that, if I was to listen to music, the Buddy Millers, they're the guys that speak to me, you know, um, the Lowell Lovitz. They've got a great sound, you know. I, th- I think the best, Jason Isbell, He's he's as cool as they get, you mm. know. Great muso, great writer, powerfully delivered with with sincerity. You know, it's none of that cliche that you hear over and over again. So they're the, probably the that Austin sound is what speaks to me. You know, there's a great writer out there at the moment, Rustin Kelly. Mm-hmm. He's cool as and. As I said, I've been listening to his Spotify radio station and being exposed to a lot of great writers that are coming through. And, yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're names that, you know, even though they go, they've got a lot of listeners on Spotify, you just don't hear them on the radio. That yeah, which is a shame. That's the great thing about Spotify and, you know, technology, those algorithms, although I find it insanely creepy how it knows mm. everything, but it does expose you to really cool stuff. Yeah, so it sure does. It's great. It's mm. great in that regard. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm bringing this question back. I stopped doing it for a little while, but to kind of wrap it out, what's something that you want more people to know or understand about the country music industry? Or what you do, songwriting, yeah. performing. Look, uh, I think it's important not to just be quick to judge country music based upon one style. Because people go, well, I hate country music, but I like that. Yeah. And you go, well, that's because they might have heard just one style. They might have heard of bluegrass or balladeer or... Uh, and as you said, there's like 40, uh, yeah, like 40 it's something. Just, it's, so it's a very big umbrella or big hat. Um and so, yeah, the the thing I'd say to people is uh, just don't be quick to write off country music because more than any other genre, you'll hear one country song that will have the potential to change your world. Mm. And it can, you know. There are songs that just really, really resonate deeply with people because it has given them a ray of hope in a tough time or it's helped them you know, be inspired to change something in their life or just gave them that sweet feeling of abandon at a time or at a party or whatever. There is something in country music that's that's not found in other genres and I really love it for that. And, um, yeah, that's what I'd probably like to just say to your listeners is that there is a lot of gold to be found if you sift through the yeah the coal. Put in the work. Well, that's probably not the coal, the quartz. But the yeah, there's a there's a diamonds to be found if you shift through the coal. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, and it's you know, it's when you find those little diamonds that you just go, wow, it's yeah. truly valuable, and they really are. There's some really great stuff in there. It just takes one song. Just takes one song. Yeah, and your world can just explode. And um, yeah, I still find those songs where I just have to go wow and just repeat, 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 repeat. What, what's one of them, if you don't mind me asking, if um, you can think of it? People that are really like, oh, man, well, I've been lucky enough to tour with some of the great ones, you know, like Kevin Bennett in The Flood. He's an all-time hero and he's somewhere so good. Lynn Botel, who I spent a lot of hours touring this country with. Uh, Lashy Dallas, a superstar. She's a great voice. That's oh, what I was going to say. A walking beam sunshine, I call it. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. She really is. No, she's got great energy and, and great writers. And, yeah, not as famous as the uh, the names you mentioned before, but just so great. Yeah. And there's some truth in that that just kind of really resonates. Yeah. I don't think you need to be, you know, obviously the famous people, they're, they're wildly successful, but I don't think you need that to have an impact on people or... No, look, write great songs, not at all. 
And it, and it depends on where you're at when you hear these songs, you know. If you're not in the mindset or in the space to actually connect with it at that point in time, there's nothing wrong with that. But, yeah, sometimes you just open and uh, that song or that lyric or that note can just cut you into. Yeah, for sure. So, different drum. The single's out. When is the whole album coming out? Well, the physical album's out now. Yep. You can buy As that I said, on I your website. I just want to uh, ensure that if people have the option, if they really want it, buy the CD. Yeah. CDs are coming back. I've got a stack in my car. <laughs> I'm just gutted that my car doesn't have the the six, six stack anymore. It's just the one. Yeah, I know. Well, you're lucky it's even got a CD player I at am. all. I'm, I, I but, know. Uh, so, um, yeah, I just don't want to put it out digitally because once I put it out digitally... Um, Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff don't acknowledge the single. Oh, They wow. just kind of, uh, they won't kind of put it on a playlist. Yeah. They'll just kind of add it as a... That's uh, really weird. They just go, okay, well, it's already out. Yeah. So it's just... <sighs> the way that the digital platforms have changed the way you release music is phenomenal because once upon a time you made the album, you put the album out and happy days. But now it's about the single where you put it out and they add it to a playlist and that gets you massive listening and then right. that's all about the hype of the single yeah so you pretty much have to release six or seven singles and then you release the album in this case this is my fourth single off the album i said bugger that i gotta just put the album out there i've been sitting on it a year now, yeah, and yeah, i'm right. ready to start the next one so uh it's about just finding that that's that really so it's out physically i will release the album digitally down the road but yep. um no, that's I didn't know that. That's really interesting to hear. Mm. I didn't. I'm. I know there's probably a lot of inner workings of how that stuff well, goes that's now. Why, that first song, Darawa, that you were mentioning, that's um, that will be a potential single, but I can't release it yet because it's yeah. got to go out there. So please share it. Yeah, I know that the only way they can get it is probably via um, my website. Yeah, which what's, what's your website? LukeOshade.com. Amazing. Do you have any other social media? Oh, yeah, I'm on the Facebook and on the Instagram Facebook. and all that stuff. But, um, man, there's so many hackers out there. I've got so many alter egos out there at the moment, and they're, they're having so much more fun than me. So people are just kind of going, wow. You're like, go wild, guys. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. So I just want to try and steer it all back to being on the website. Stick to the and, website. Yeah, and just going that way. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I really appreciate my it. my absolute joy. <laughs> it's been fantastic. Thank you. Wow.